This is ARRL's Eclectic Tech, a bi-weekly look at the technical and scientific side of amateur radio with your host Steve Ford, WB8IMY. Eclectic Tech is brought to you by ICOM. ICOM, for the love of ham radio, is about the passion for an incredible hobby. Visit ICOM in the community webpage at www.icomamerica.com forward slash community. I'm on the telephone with Barry Fearman, K3EUI. Good morning, Barry. Good morning, Steve. Now, coming up in a couple of weeks in the April issue of QST Magazine in the Eclectic Technology column, you have an article, a very interesting one, about some tests that you did uh, with a very inexpensive handheld transceiver using it for digital modes, correct? Yes, that's correct. And in particular, you were using it, at least with the article references, to test with VARA. Can you give listeners who've never heard of VARA uh, just a definition of what that is? Oh, sure. Well, the WinLink uh, modes include Packet and Pactor, RDOP, WinMore, and a new one called VARA or VARA, V-A-R-A. That's a software software. modem, and it works on FM radios as one modem, and it works on HF single sideband radios with a different modem. They're slightly different from each other, but uh, they're part of the WinLink Express uh, set of optional modes, and very easy to use once you get acquainted with the software. And is it fair to call VARA a software modem that kind of plugs into WinLink Express? Is that a fair description? Yes, in the same way that uh, WinMore and RDOP and even Packet uh, can can work with uh, WinLink. Uh, Pactor is still kind of technically oriented towards physical. TNCs, where the, the mechanism to generate the tones of Pactor are too complicated for, for a Windows machine. Oh, yeah. And now I've only played with VARA on HF uh, with the WinLink network, and it was impressive, though. Uh, at times, uh, just as a gross rule of thumb, I had to say it was probably, in terms of data rate, comparable maybe to Pactor 3. I think that's true. It depends on uh, the signal-to-noise uh, that you're getting on the person you're linked to. Um, the difference with uh, VARA and WinLink is you're talking to one and only one station at a time. So when you begin a contact, you sort of handshake and say, I'd like to send you an email. Are you ready? <laughs> back and forth, back and forth. It's actually pretty to listen to the handshaking. Diddly dee, diddly dee, diddly diddly dee. You know, and they agree on the uh, the rates and they line up their VFOs. If you're on uh, HF on FM, it's quite a bit simpler because they don't have to mess around with uh, adjusting the frequency. On an FM radio, everyone's sound card is reasonably well aligned, so the uh, the rates possible on Vera FM are quite a bit higher than the rates possible on HF. Once you get it started, it's it's kind of in command. In your article, there is a link to uh, where readers can find the VARA software. Uh, it is not free in the sense that it's free for a limited time and at a slower data rate, but if you want the full version, if you will, you do have to pay a licensing fee, correct? That's correct. I think uh, when I bought 
an individual license that was about $70 maybe two years ago. I don't know what the cost is today, but I think if you have a group or a club, you can apply as a group and get a considerable discount if you buy 10 at once. So yes, it's a licensed software. It's good you know, for life and you can use it on any radio. So you're licensing your call, not your computer or your radio. That's true. Speaking of radios on HF, uh, I used Vara with my ICOM IC7 and really, the setup was straightforward. I mean, I already used that radio for FT8 and other digital modes. It was really just a matter of shutting down one piece of software and firing up another. Yes, that's true for all the uh, the uh, various HF digital modes. Uh, once you get a connection, so when you have your software, say, send the PTT, it has to legitimately turn your transmitter on and then turn it off when you want to listen. So most of us have the hassle, if there is a hassle, of getting the PTT to work either by a CAT port or a COM port or even just a straight-out uh, Vox-derived audio on a signal link. Usually works well, but Vara is a back-and-forth in ARQ mode, and the exchanges are pretty fast. So if you're on a device with Vox like the normal signal link, you have to set that third critical knob, the delay knob, the hang time uh, knob to a very low value, like uh, 7 or 8 o'clock, barely nudging above zero. So it's a little tricky, not much, but it's a little tricky to get uh, normal signal links set up to do via on uh, either HF sideband or on uh, VHF uh, FM. But where we've had the most fun in Philadelphia, where I live, is a number of us have been able to use an FM analog voice repeater for VARA testing. So it works as long as the timing is adequate. By timing, I mean when one transmitter goes off, the repeater usually resets. But then the other person's transmitter comes on, and if the repeater is not ready to listen, it won't work. So what we've been able to do is get a very, very fast reset computer uh, on on the uh, repeater to just back and forth, back and forth. And as soon as one carrier drops, when the next carrier comes on from a different station, the repeater is in listen mode. And it works. Um, the author of our EA5HVK, Jose, Spain, uh, discourages us from using voice repeaters to transmit Vara on uh, FM for many reasons, especially if the repeater owner doesn't like to have its you know use in, for that purpose. But in Philadelphia, you found two or three different repeater uh, that uh, the owners are giving us our their blessing <laughs> to try different digital modes on an analog voice repeater. After all, very it's just sound. The timing back and forth is is pretty critical. And re with repeaters that have a long delay or hang time, this won't work. At the risk of stealing the thunder from your April QST article, you did some intriguing things by using VARA on FM with really inexpensive handheld transceivers, the $25 a pop transceivers, and with success. Well, it's just sound in and out of the, you know, VARA modem. So the question on the radio end is, how long does the radio itself take to switch from transmit to receive back to transmit. So there's a turnaround time in the hardware and the radio. But uh, I've tried different Kenwood HTs, little Baofeng HT, all of the mobile uh, ICOM Kenwood uh, 
Yezer radios that we've had tested in the Philadelphia area, they all work, uh, all of them. The Baofeng is, is kind of interesting because it's so simple a radio, very inexpensive, and all you need is a couple of watts of clean audio. And uh, when I saw the article describing the, the Baofeng for, you know, obviously for voice, I thought, well, let's try it with uh, the proper audio cables for transmit receive and PTT. So it's just simply one cable goes into the side of the Baofeng that has receive, the transmit, and the PTT on the ground. And it worked. Um, in fact, it worked right off the bat. A uh, little tricky if you use a signal link, but if you use other sound cards that have a more positive PTT mechanism, it worked very well. So we got rates uh, three, four, five, six thousand 6,000 bits per second, simplex, and even through a repeater with a very simple Baofeng HT, but using an external antenna. So in the spirit of amateur radio, you used a radio in the way it was never intended for, <laughs> and, and you were successful. Uh, yes, that's, that's correct, although so, you know, it's just sound. Uh, Vera, if you listen, to, I, I always listen to the digital modes unless I'm on packet. But uh, all of the HF digital modes, Thor, MFSK, even RIDI, when I'm operating uh, HF, I always have headphones on. Um, and I'm a former musician, so I like to hear the sound. And I can often tell if it's distorted just by what it sounds like. So when you listen to the sounds of Vera, the beginning is quite sweet. It's like a dance. Uh, reminds me of middle school dances where, you know, you walk up and you ask, uh, you know, a girl to dance. And the Vara handshaking is just like that. Uh, when you make an initial link, it it sounds like diddly diddly deep and the pause and then the response diddly diddly deep and then back and forth, back and forth for maybe 30 seconds until the pieces of software agree on the timing, the levels, and so forth. And then once you get a link established and it goes into what's referred to as data mode, it jumps into high-speed gears. So Vera, unlike a lot of the uh, digital modes, has a variable speed. It's like a 20-speed bike, but the software decides on the appropriate speed, not the operator. So I just initialized the link by saying in my software, connect to, you know, WB8IMY-10. And after that, the software takes over and I just listen to the conversation. If we can get a decent data rate, I can send you an email, three, four, eight thousand bits per second. And that's pretty amazing coming out of a, a small HT on FM. Absolutely. And you have tried this with other digital modes, not just VARA, by this. I mean the inexpensive HT approach? Oh, yes. It works very well on the FL Digi, the NBEMS modes. Uh, they tend to be steady tones, uh, Thor, MFSK, uh, even RIDI. They're pretty much constant amplitude sound, so it's very easy to adjust that. Uh, the, the tricky part on the HT is the receive audio I, I get out of a headphone jack, and the volume of that depends on where I set the volume knob on the radio itself. As, as all FM radio. And if I set it too high, I can even hear the distortion and it doesn't translate well. So I had to set the output of the headphone jack to a fairly low level, even listening with it uh, with headphones. And then as it goes into the sound card, whatever you use, you have controls to adjust the sound and the sound uh, modem, or in fact, in like the Windows 95 uh, microphone level input. So it's often a little bit of fiddling with the input and output sensitivities, but once you get it set up, uh, it's pretty much, you don't have to fiddle with it. What's your opinion, Barry, in terms of using these inexpensive handhelds, or any handhelds, for, say, public service work for digital on FM, on VHF? Yeah, that's the ultimate question, isn't it? 
I've never done that. Um, I do own a couple of HTs, and I often take them with me when I'm on assignment out here in Chester County, Pennsylvania. But I pretty much take them with me for phone conversation back to a neck control. Uh, the actual radios I use to receive on 2 meters or 70 centimeters uh, emergency communications, mostly FL Digi, I'll use the more robust radios where they have a data port. And when you plug a signal link or any of the sound cards into the six-pin mini DIN port, you get pretty much a constant sound in and out, and you don't have to worry about the volume you know, uh, control on the radio. But I think the HTs are a possibility. Say. Um, I don't know that I would recommend it, although I wanted to try it. And within the realm of my own shack here, uh, you know, not out in the field somewhere, all I did was change the antenna to an outside antenna. I used the built-in battery on the Baofeng, and plugging in a sound card, I was able to get uh, Vera, Winlink that is, uh, to work well in a greater Philadelphia area. So using, uh, you know, five or eight watts was enough to get a, a digital signal to a range of about t within 10 miles of my own QTH with a simple vertical antenna. So it worked, but I was in the comfort of my own shack. You know, uh, I, I don't know how it would, how well it would work in the field. Um, now, various HTs are a little bit more robustly built than others, and the Baofeng is very simple, we all know. It's just audio in, audio out. Um, I operated the Baofeng at mid-power, so I didn't try to stretch it to full power. So I was about two or three watts output. And with an outside antenna, I was able to reach stations easily with wind link, uh, you know, a couple of miles away. If somebody wanted to try this, a listener who has a VHF or VHF-UHF handheld, regardless of the brand, what advice would you give them? What do they need beyond the VARA software, of course. Well, the sound in and out has to go to a, a sound card, and there's a wide variety of sound cards available on the market. Um, the signal links are very uh, widely used because they're very versatile. With the jack on the back going to the radio, it's just a uh, standard RJ45 jack. And from there, signal link has like 10 different cables to go to different radios. Most of us can make up our own cables because it's not that complicated to do that. But there are other sound cards on the market now that offer a more positive PTT mechanism than relying on the audio for your transmit via a Vox circuit. The signal links are mono audio only, just a left channel. The right channel isn't connected to anything on the sound chip. So you have just enough audio to trip the relay that says to your radio, all right, go into transmit mode, uh, otherwise referred to as PTT, push to talk. Other other sound cards have different mechanisms of, of doing that. Um, I almost wish the HTs coming out had these little six-pin mini-DIN data ports that are so common on the mobile rig, because that would make it really easy to do. Um, and in fact, if the HTs had built-in sound cards, which is just a couple of, you know, small chips now, that would make it really versatile. <laughs> so you'd have uh, sound cards built into the new HF rigs. Why not build in sound cards into the portable HT, uh, you know, FM rig? That would greatly simplify everything. Then all I needed is a USB cable from the HT over to a laptop and an antenna and a power supply, and I'm good. <laughs> so we're not quite there yet with the technology, but I, I think that's coming. I think what you've done is interesting. Interesting. I, I think QST readers will enjoy it, and I'm hoping it'll inspire people to uh, to try it as well, for others to try it. Well, I was curious if I could get it to work not knowing, and in just 
fiddling, uh, you know, with the different controls. Within a couple of hours, I did have it working, and I contacted some local hands and said, let's meet on a two-meter simplex frequency. We won't even try this yet on a repeater. And Vara uh, on FM simplex works really well because then you don't have to worry about the repeater timing. The only question was, do you have enough signal to noise wherever you're going um, to get decent data rates? And, you know, two or three hams within five miles of me on two meters, both, you know, with verticals. Now, they were running uh, kind of normal 50-watt mobile rig, uh, and I was running just, you know, a couple of watts on an HT. But it worked. It worked, I would say, even well, at least, you know, as a short test from my home. Certainly. Well, thank you, Barry. This has been fascinating. There's always something that hams can do that is a little out of the ordinary and is intriguing. Well, thank you for the, the discussion. Thank you for writing the original article on the uh, the Baofeng, and really thank you for years and years of uh, of research and writings that you've done on the digital modes in general. <laughs> I've probably read your books a few times, and each time I learn something new. Well, thanks, Barry. Appreciate it. Okay, then. I often use these podcasts and my eclectic technology columns in QST Magazine to showcase new technologies that have the potential to solve challenging problems in areas such as uh, telecommunications or energy generation. But as you can probably guess, not all of these technological solutions end up being successful. In fact, most don't. There's often a huge abyss between development, implementation, and commercial success. Frankly, more often than not, a promising technology ultimately reaches a dead end. But you know, even the failures can be valuable because they provide what some call teaching opportunities or learning opportunities that allow us to learn what works and what doesn't so that maybe the next new technology actually succeeds. An excellent example of this popped up recently in the news. If you've been reading my QST column for a while, you might recall me writing about an effort by Google called Project Loon. In my February 2019 column, I described how Loon hoped to send sophisticated wireless routers to high altitudes using giant balloons. From these platforms hovering at more than 100,000 feet, the routers could provide wireless internet over large areas that weren't served by terrestrial internet. The Loon team envisioned this as a long-term solution and also a short-term solution for use during natural disasters. Now, Project Loon actually began testing in 2018, and the tests went very well. From their high vantage points, the routers could see over vast areas. The balloon platforms were stable, and the routers were powered by batteries that were charged with solar panels. So far, so good. Google also deployed automated ground stations to provide the links between the Loon routers and the Internet. They even managed to link multiple Loon balloons in a kind of wireless mesh network. The data communication tests were successful. Project Loon really did work. Despite this, Google pulled the plug on the project in early 2021. Well, what went wrong? Well, the engineer soon discovered that keeping the balloons positioned over a chosen target area wasn't easy. Station keeping, as they called it, required complicated and expensive technology. So the team came up with a kind of quirky solution. Instead of trying to stay in one place, they tried releasing the balloons to float freely in the air while controlling their paths through the sky using wind and solar power. 
they found they could move the balloons up or down to catch the winds that they wanted to travel in. This way, the balloons could fly at altitudes twice as high as commercial airliners and beam down internet access to the communities below. You can think of it as having several cell towers floating around in the sky above your city. You just connect to the nearest one as they come and go kind of like clouds. But as effective as that solution was, it had its flaws too. The big problem was how to manage a fleet of these balloons sailing around the world so that each balloon is in the area you want it when you need it. The cost to pull off this trick kept increasing, and it was becoming clear that the revenues Loon might generate would not be sufficient to make it a viable business proposition. The last nail in the Loon coffin was the SpaceX Starlink satellite network. SpaceX did the balloon idea one better by sending thousands of small wireless relay platforms into orbit. Once a Starlink satellite is in its low Earth orbit, there's no need for station keeping or regular maintenance. As a Starlink satellite fails, it's deorbited and replaced with another. As you're listening to this, high-speed Starlink internet is already available to customers pretty much anywhere in the world. I suppose you could say that the Loon project was too little, too late. When it comes to global wireless internet, SpaceX beat them to the punch. Still, a great deal was learned from Project Loon, and I suspect we'll see some spin-off ideas and technologies turning up elsewhere. That's just the nature of the technology business, really. Not every venture will succeed, but some will, and it makes the effort worthwhile. As hockey great Wayne Gretzky said, quote, You miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Tune in again for the next episode of Eclectic Tech, produced by ARRL, the National Association for Amateur Radio. Music is provided by Purple Planet at purpleplanet.com. If you have comments, email eclectic at arrl.org. This episode is copyright ARRL and all rights are reserved. I'm Sabrina Jackson, KC1JMW. See you next time.